Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Fact, Fiction or Bullshit. Or for all my new listeners out there, the FFB podcast for short. Hi, my name is PJ, and every episode we'll delve into the unknown to look at the history, the facts, the theories and conspiracies, then ultimately decide fact, fiction or bullshit. As you ladies, gents and people are aware, many moons ago, I spoke about the fabled Russian sleep experiment, and that we'd all agreed that it was nothing more than a creepypasta story. But what we all agreed on as well, was that it would not have surprised us if a similar experiment had taken place at another location. Say, almost top secret like. Well, today, I'm here to talk about something kind of similar that happened. An experiment that looked like it had no guidelines, no mediator, no one looking at it and going, should we really be doing this? Or even saying that actually, we're not going to do this. For me, how this experiment was ever allowed to take place is beyond me. And especially at a top class institution where we're meant to educate, not carry out one of the worst human experiments ever created. If you don't know already, I'm going to be speaking about the Stanford University prison experiment where I'll be asking the questions, was this one of the worst experiments ever carried out by a university? Should someone have stepped in and just said, no, no, under no circumstances will you be carrying out an experiment like this? And also, was there enough safety measures in place? Also, to add to this, have there been any more so-called questionable experiments carried out anywhere else? First of all, just a little bit of a background on Stanford University. The university is a private research university in Stanford, California. The campus occupies over 8,000 acres and is among one of the largest universities in the US. It enrolls over 17,000 students every year. And you know me people, I also looked at the cost too. If you're not getting in there on a scholarship, it's between fifty-five dollars to $60,000 per year. That's some crazy money. I also looked into the university and I found this quote that might give you some insight as to what it does. And I quote, Stanford University is a place of discovery, creativity, innovation and world-class medical care dedicated to its founding mission of benefiting society through research and education. Stanford strives to create a sustainable future for all, catalyze discoveries about ourselves and our world, accelerate the societal impact of its research and educate students as global citizens. Citizens. And this quote for me, ladies, gents and people, after reading that, I can see what it's you know, kind of carry out this sort of experiment. But what gets me about this experiment was the lack of leadership. This top university, surely they would have had to have in place like some sort of mediator, some sort of person, you know, where they say, well, this experiment can take place and this one can't. And this now leads me to the experiment in hand. In 1971, psychologist Philip Zimbardo and his colleagues set out to create an experiment that looked at the impact of becoming a prisoner or a prison guard. The Stanford Prison Experiment, also known as the Zimbardo Prison Experiment after Philip, 
went on to become one of the best known and controversial experiments in psychological history. Zimbardo and his fellow researchers wanted to know if physically and psychologically healthy people who knew they were participating in an experiment would change their behaviour in a prison-like setting. The researchers set up a mock prison in the basement of Stanford Psychology Building. They selected 24 undergraduate students from a pool of 70. And they're all male, might I add. Each of the 70 chosen at the beginning were all chosen because they had no criminal background, lacked psychological issues and had no medical conditions. The chosen 24 who agreed to participate during a two week period were paid $15 a day. Now ladies, gents and people, let's see if it was worth it. The simulated prison included three six by nine foot prison cells. Each cell held three prisoners and included three cots. Other rooms across from the cells were utilised for the jail guards and the warden. One tiny space was designated as a solitary confinement room and another small room served as the prison yard. They really were going for proper authenticity. The 24 volunteers were then randomly assigned to either the prisoner group or the guard group. Prisoners were to remain in the mock prison 24 hours a day during the study. Guards were assigned to work in three-man teams for eight-hour shifts. After each shift, the guards were allowed to return home until their next shift. For me, ladies, gents and people, even before this experiment has begun, they've already created a divide. Guard does eight hours and goes home and gets $15. Prisoner has to stay there for 24 hours a day and gets the same. I'd be like, well, I want three times that. As you can see already, there is already resentment there. Upon the prisoner's arrival, each man was stripped, searched and deloused. They were then given a uniform and this was a numbered gown in which Zimbardo himself called a dress. Each prisoner had loose fitting rubber sandals and their ankles were shackled. They also had a cap made from a woman's nylon stocking. In real life though, male prisoners don't wear this, they wear trousers and a top. Zimbardo done this to humiliate and degrade the male prisoners. He thought that by putting men in a dress without any underclothes and caps on their freshly shaven heads, that this would achieve this more quickly. The guards themselves wore khaki uniforms and were given whistles, nightsticks and mirrored sunglasses. This for me already sounds like an unfair deal. What's weird for me is that Zimbardo actually took part in the experiment himself and he acted as the warden overseeing everything. But this is when things started to get out of hand. There were disputes between prisoners and guards. The guards were allowed to interact in any way they wanted. They were hostile and dehumanising. And this is when things got physical. At the beginning of the experiment, there was an explicit injunction against physical force for both the guards and the prisoners. For me, ladies, gents and people, this, for me, was the Tinder-like moment. You know when you put a nightstick in someone's hands and put them in a position of power 
He's going to use it, experiment or not. What was even worse was, whatever the guards done, was then overlooked by Zimbardo. This then gave the all clear to the guards that you can basically do whatever you like. Because for me, my experiment is more important than the prisoner's well-being. That $15 don't seem like an awful lot now. Dave Eshelman, who was one of the guards in the prison, stated that he actively created his guard's persona. He had been in various drama productions in high school and college, and it was something he was very familiar with, to take on another personality before he stepped out on stage. That's sort of like method acting in my eyes, where you immerse yourself into the role so much, you don't actually believe it's a role anymore, but in your head real life. E. Shulman continued by saying, I was kind of running my own experiment in there, by saying, how far can I push these things? How much abuse will these people take before they say, knock it off, it's enough? Whilst the guards began to behave more and more aggressively and more and more abusive towards the prisoners, the prisoners themselves became passive and depressed. Five of the prisoners began to experience severe negative emotions, including crying and acute anxiety, and these had to be released early. Even the researchers themselves began to lose sight of the reality of the situation. The experiment that was meant to last two weeks was ended just after six days. Ladies and gentlemen, people, I'm going to go back to that $15 thing again. And I checked, and in today's value, that's $110 per day. And for this experiment, that's just simply not enough. So, I went looking, and I actually managed to find videos of this experiment as well. And you can actually see why the prisoners became anxious and depressed. Paper bags were placed over their heads. They were made to do push-ups. The guards then began controlling the food rations and restricting toilet use. This experiment done everything it could to break you. And then when you hear a Zimbardo quote, he actually wants the guards to show the prisoners who's boss. This experiment was barbaric but flawed in my opinion. The moment you label someone guard or prisoner, they accept that role. As people with supreme power over some someone, say like a prisoner, who has no identity, the guard can then be as evil as he liked, and he had nothing coming back at him. He'd done this as this was the role that they had chosen for him in this experiment. And it's weird ladies and gentlemen people. I can't actually remember most of my school life, but there's one quote from my sociology teacher that sticks out. You label someone long enough and eventually they become that label. And this is what I see in this experiment. And then when I see another quote, and I can't remember who said it, so I apologise. If you tell someone to be evil for an experiment, they will. Now on to the FFB treatment. There is no doubt that this experiment is real. This experiment really did take place and its results are still studied today. So that's a fact from me. But was this one of the worst experiments ever carried out by a university? Fact, fiction or bullshit? It's a fact. 
It had no oversight committee. It was run by Zimbardo like a regime. And he did not care if the prisoners were hurt, humiliated, degraded or anything like that. Eichelman is actually quoted as saying that he actually enjoyed what he was doing. He enjoyed having power over them poor defenceless prisoners. He got off on it. He actually believed that this was not a study about the guards, but more about the prisoners. So for me, every red light should have been ringing. I want to add this as well, that no charges were ever brought against this man either. I think that if this experiment would have been taking place today, I can't imagine how many lawsuits would be brought against him. Now, on to the last question. Was there any more experiments similar to this that should not have taken place? Sadly, yes, and the list is long. You have the Milgram experiment, the Little Albert experiment, Bobo Doll experiment, the third wave, and then the monster study. And that's just a few of them. These are all terrible acts of science, and I can't believe I just said that as I love science. It's not it it's the gateway not only to our world's future, but our gateway to others. But science in the wrong hands can create monstrosities and cause irreversible pain to anybody taking part within that experiment. Sadly, just like it did in a Stanford University prison experiment. Wow, what an episode. Who would have believed a top-class university like that could have carried out something as heinous, as frightening, as terrible as that experiment? It just shows you what goes through people's minds. I know this is going to sound a bit weird, but next week there's going to be no episode. It's the end of summer here in the UK. And I finally get to have a week to myself to chill and have a few beers, watch a few movies and relax for a little bit. However, the following week I'm going to be back and it's going to be something new, extreme, horrific. You know me, ladies, gents and people. Just want to say thank you for the love. You know, the views keep going up, listens, whatever you choose to call them. Just want to say, if you like the podcast, share the podcast. If someone who's weird and wonderful, like everybody who listens to the podcasts, please share it with them. Let's get them on board. Let's get them listening. Without you people out there, this podcast does not go on. So, ladies, gents and people, look after yourselves and each other. Until next time.